The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five. Top five movies. Top five movies. Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Top Five Movies. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. I'm pausing because I ran late. So I'm being late. <laughs> Hello. Hey, man. Well, um, we're going to be getting into our top five movie uh, sidekicks and or supporting character. I'm not sure how you guys kind of approach this. Um, I've, I found this to be an overwhelming list to make. Um, mm-hmm. But I just watched uh, for the very first time All the President's Men today. Oh. Whoa. Is that about the bank robbers? No, no. It's, it's about oh, um, Woodward, what's that? Woodward? That's dead presidents. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sorry. I've actually seen wow. dead presidents. Um, I saw that as a child, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Woodward and Bernstein, Woodward and, Bernstein. and uh, Watergate from Nixon's era. Uh, it's oh. the uh, events. Dustin Hoffman, Robert Hartford. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, I'm on a Hoffman kick. That's why I, I finally knocked this movie off my gaff list. Um, but I, I'm, if I, I'm, I'm breaking conspiracies here. If I had seen this film when we did our last list, I am very confident uh, these two guys would have been in my dynamic duo list because I'm all over that movie. Um, it, it does. If you saw the post from last year, the post oh, is so good. takes place right before the events of this, which they allude to in the post. Um, and man, uh, I really, really enjoyed this movie a whole lot. Um, I'm excited about. You know, talking about it with my students is something I think I will definitely be using in my classes in the future. But I, I just wanted to point that out because it's rare that I see a movie and immediately go, "Man, this would have been perfect for the previous week's list." Um, and I think, or the previous episode, I should say. And I definitely think that applies here because those two guys—they are a dynamic duo to say the mm-hmm. least. Oh um, yeah. And I, I'm a sucker for journalistic films, which I've said many times. Uh, again, not sure why I had not gotten to this one until now, but. I've watched uh, this year. I've seen The Graduate for the second time, Midnight Cowboy, uh, Kramer versus Kramer, and now this. So Dustin Hoffman has uh, greatly climbed my my favorite actor list um, over the last couple of months. So yeah, just wanted to bring that up. Um, but this week we're not talking about dynamic duos. We're talking about the guy who you know maybe doesn't get all the recognition he deserves. Uh, inspired by Simon Pegg's role in the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, he plays Benji, and he shows up in the third film uh, for the first time, which is where J.J. Abrams directs the Mission Impossible franchise. And um, he's, he's got a very small role in the third movie. Um, we see him kind of early on, and then he has a major part to play later in the film. Um, but he's barely any screen time. And then the fourth, fifth, and looks like sixth movie, that goes up dramatically. But... Um, he's a character I, I think is my favorite part of the Mission Impossible franchise. I am a Simon Pegg fan, so maybe that's why, but um, that was got me thinking because Mission Impossible Fallout comes out this coming Friday, and so I thought this would be a good topic for the week. Makes sense. I wonder what, uh, what the impetus was for this topic. Of course, I probably would have, if I had read more closely, would have known. 
yeah, I did, I did write that in there, but it's all good. Um, so the we were all kind of tasked with two approaches. We I used the word sidekick, but sidekick for me, being a comic book nerd, has very specific ramifications. Mm-hmm. Where supporting character is a lot more loose, and um, it could be any character that shows up in a film that just you know supports the lead. Um, I was trying. I I didn't exclude anything in particular, but I did notice there's a lot of uh, you know tropes and stereotypes that play into this supporting character role. And that's, you know, disappointing. Oh, man. But, um, you know, one we could have talked about. In fact, uh, Mike, we watched Garden State for um, our movie club movie this past week. And Corey had never seen it before. I need to say, before you start talking about the trope, I'm really <laughs> bad at tropes, apparently. But I would, as a Shins fan, I was just expecting more Shins. That, but it's, I mean... I I thought they did more on the soundtrack, or they, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I enjoyed the movie a lot. I gave it my C. I was just expecting more shit. So, but go ahead with your trope. Well, uh, she, Natalie Portman's character falls into the um, the manic pixie dream girl stereotype. Uh, she is this. She exists solely for Zach Braff and to help him find love and and a purpose for uh, existing. And you know, it's debatable. Now, you had her as a dynamic duo. Um, that they were both going for the common goal, but if you look at it from the tropes perspective, the common goal is Zach Braff's goal, and she just latches onto it. I'm not saying you're wrong for having it there. Just saying that if we were to put her on a sidekick list, you would be looking at a, a trope or stereotype. And I, I didn't avoid those for my list, but it was something I was kind of aware of, and it kind of, um, I, I, th- I think it was, you know, painfully obvious that. If I were to do my favorite main characters, most of them would end up probably being like male characters and probably a very stereotypical like male action hero um, where my side characters or my supporting characters are much more diverse. And um, I, I feel like that's possibly maybe a reflection of Hollywood that we purposely don't give the minority characters the lead and they end up being relegated to the side characters, thus why my list is much more diverse than a lot of my other lists have been. I'm just stuck on, on thinking about Natalie Portman. Ah, okay. <laughs> I feel like I need to be better about the tropes. Like, sometimes I can see them, but not, you know, very, but not lots of different ones. Um, I didn't realize that that was one. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Mm, I mean, that's, it's not something that everyone has to know by name, but, like, you know, if, if you point out these commonalities and you can list other ones who fall into the same category, th- there's a pattern that emerges. And, you know, unless you're looking at it academically, it's not something that I think would be blatantly obvious. So I don't think you have to know the tropes, I guess is what I'm saying. I think no. it's a good thing to be aware of. Oh, sure, for sure. But, again, I think it depends on what you're looking for when you watch a movie, you know. To be entertained. Well. Exactly. Well, that's it. If you're aware of them, then you're now you're jumping out of your suspension of disbelief and you're just looking at the tropes. So, yeah. Again, I think I, I can approach a film in multiple ways. Um, and I think I'm not saying like I can as it's exclusive. I do intentionally because I'm always looking at a film for a potential teaching device as well as for entertainment. And then also um I don't know that I want to be a filmmaker, but I do like to think like a filmmaker. So I, I you know, oftentimes will ask questions of 
why did they make this choice or why would they do this or what if they had done this differently um so you know those different perspectives i i find myself drawn to knowing all the elements um as much as i can i obviously i don't know everything but um and i miss things all the time but i like to to read into and look into things so well sometimes it depends on the film sometimes i'll just sometimes i just want to sit and be entertained sure and there's definitely something uh to say about that in fact um if you have not seen sullivan's travels from 1941 that's to anyone listening and or uh, and mike and Corey. i highly recommend it partly because it i think it has an interesting thing to say about uh films as an escapist journey and the benefits of them in that capacity so um otherwise you guys have anything else you want to say before we jump into our list? Nope. It's funny you mentioned dynamic duels for whatever reason. And I found the Batman Two-Face one with Adam West and William Shatner ah, too yes. late. I, I started it, but at that point I was kind of done because the one I found first was Batman and Harley Quinn. Oh. And I... I kind of didn't want to watch it. It wasn't as bad as Batman Ninja. That was, ugh. <laughs> and I had it was like I just don't have the words for it, and I just enough to tell you not to seek it out unless you have to, uh, or, or being you know, maybe being forced to watch something. You just tell them to put that on. But that struck me out. There was some stuff between Nightwing and Harley Quinn that yeah. I was not expecting um, i haven't seen it but i know about it um I, I tend to just keep my ear on the pulse of those things at this point yeah it was it was uh, i wish i'd found a, the adam west one first but at that point i was like i don't want any more batman <laughs> um i hope i never say that but uh that that said uh if you're new to the podcast what we do is we make our list in secret and we reveal them uh during the course of the episode um, this week, Corey is going to be going first, followed by Mike, then myself, and um, we do like to have the freedom to talk about whatever elements of the movies that we do, so, Corey. Dun, dun, dun. Spoiler warning! You can go to BerkReviews.com and check out each of our list. otherwise, full steam ahead. And the other thing, if you're new to the podcast, or if you're a regular, um, Corey and I found out early, early <laughs> on in our two years of doing this with Mike, that Mike's watched a lot of films that we've never even heard of, Um and so we like to guess how many of Mike's movies on his top five we have seen. Um, and this one, I mean, goodness, it could be anything. I have no idea what uh, direction he ended up going with this. Um, I had a hard time narrowing my list down. And while I have a few regular films on here, um, I think I've got some, uh, uh, maybe a couple of surprises. But um, I'm going to go first, Corey. I think you went first last time, if I remember correctly. I <laughs> will say... I have seen, I'm going to go big and say three of Mike's movies on his top five. That is very brave. I'll go two. <laughs> All right. I think you guys are actually kind of safe with those numbers. We'll see. I'm okay. curious. Okay. And I've, I've been watching some, uh, not still not the obscure horror that Mike is known for, but I have been watching some older movies the last couple of weeks trying to uh, empty out my gap list. In fact, um, I mentioned I watched All the President's Men. Uh, part of the reason I picked that I am very slowly and, and methodically picking through the AFI Top 100 list, and yes. I have now seen half of the movies Ooh. on that list. I have hit 50 exactly with All the President's Men. 
So I am 50 movies into the top 100, well, not top 100, but the 100 must-see movies of from the AFI uh, list, um, with several ones I have not seen being from the silent era, and those may not get watched anytime soon. Not because I don't like them, I don't Sometimes have access to them yet. Okay, I was going to say, come on, that's only 100. You did three, one every day. Oh, yeah. Not that long ago. It's more about access to... Um, uh, there are several films on the list I do own um, that I just need to watch, and some of which I'm avoiding for time because they're long, or some of which are, like, I know subject matter is going to be di- ah, difficult. Um, and one, like, uh, a big gap list for me still. I've seen several of Kubrick's films, and... I, I don't count Space Odyssey. I did see it, but I was very young when I watched it, and I know I need to rewatch it, but I've seen so much of it, like, you know, out of the full context of the film that I it's just the length of it and the fact that I know a lot of the major moments I've kept from rewatching it. But I've never seen Clockwork Orange. And I know about the film, so I know the subject matter gets kinda tough. Especially mm-hmm. the uh iconic singing in the rain sequence. Um and so I, I've been kind of avoiding it for that and for the the length, because Kubrick does have a tendency to go a little long. Um, but those are both on the top 100. That Technically, I've seen one of them, but I don't count it because I was so young when I watched it. Anyways, um, we're going to get into our list, and we are again doing top five sidekicks or supporting characters. Corey, give us your number five. Okay. Um, I had to put this actress on my list, so I kind of had a hard time, because I feel like she always plays a side character, choosing which film, and she always makes me laugh, but I chose Patricia Clarkson as Rosemary the Mom and Easy A. Oh, She's hilarious. Hmm. And while maybe I wouldn't necessarily want her to be my mom, maybe I would. I feel like she'd be fun as a friend's mom. Hmm. I actually love both of her parents in that movie yeah she's very hilarious and i feel like patricia clark patricia clarkson always plays a mom or you know yeah because i also was torn between her role in friends with benefits because she is so hilarious in that and she has less screen time in that one but so i went with rosemary from easy a okay i i really like that movie i actually uh i have i don't own it i've almost bought it like twice in the last several months um, the what it does for the pocket full of sunshine songs. I know. Amazing. I just started singing to myself. Yeah, it's hard it. to not sing that song for days <laughs> after watching that movie. But um, yeah, and Stanley Tucci plays uh, Emma Stone's father in the movie, and he's super funny as well. He's fantastic. Yes. Well, I, I I mean just overall, I'm a fan of his, uh, except not so much in The Lovely Bones. Oh, but, uh, yeah. I, I I gotta uh, I gotta be honest. As much as I love Emma Stone, I haven't seen Easy A. I've known of it. I've seen bits of it, but I never finished it, so I can't really add much more than it's, that. But it's Stanley Tucci's a sell for me. So, yeah, I mean, I, not that not that Emma Stone isn't already. Yeah, and um, I, there's some really funny scenes in the film, and and I I mean, it's kind of a, a like a retelling, or at least a very blatant um, parallel to the Scarlet Letter, which is actually they're reading the book in her class, right? Right. Um, and it, it's, but it's, it's got some interesting things to say. And I, I, I don't know, it's, it's maybe an underrated comedy, um, or at least overlooked comedy, but, um, I think it gets written off like other movies, Like I feel like Clueless got written off for a long time or Mean Girls. And I think that it is kind of in that same, that if more people gave it a chance and it's not as vapid 
as you think, I guess. Yes, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I every time I watch it, I'm I'm a, a little more impressed by it. So maybe it'll get up there because it's. I think it's more recent than the two other examples you gave. So oh, it is. It just hasn't hit that that uh, time frame that it needs to hit to be taken seriously. It's close. Then I would say it's it's in the ballpark. It should be starting to get its uh its opportunity to to get to that I think level. Two more years, and it'll be a decade old. There you go. All right. Um, that's a, a interesting number five. I didn't see that one coming. So, Mike, what is your number five? Well, we're going to Alex Trebek's old friend Sean Connery. Oh. And his Academy Award-winning portrayal of Jim Malone in 1987's *The Untouchables*. Oh, okay. And it's well, I know *Trainspotting* has the whole thing that, and I can't even say the whole dialogue back, back and forth. You know that he got the sympathy vote for this particular role, and because we're used to Sean Connery you know, as 007 as the lead, as um, uh, I, I, I jumped to Alan Quartermain, which. I kind of liked League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but not loved it. You know, he's like usually a main character. So yeah. to see him take second, and I'm not, it sounds wrong to say play second fiddle, but I mean, this was Kevin Costner's. This is, I would say, a more breakout role. Uh, I mean, Silverado was the breakout for him. He lucked out with that one, but this is another one that got him further along and getting the other roles, playing Elliot Ness in a very loosely adapted adaptation of the untouchables and just the, the lines you know the chicago way lesson uh the here endeth the lesson uh, some of the lines i can't repeat the whole you know trying to interrogate uh, one of capone's men as they're having a raid and holding up what the perpetrator doesn't realize is a dead body and just shooting you know and the canadian mounties not getting along with that at all just it's weird. I mean, I don't know that he's so much a side. Well, he is kind of a sidekick, definitely supporting, and he plays. He's just so good to me in it. It's weird that I have him at number five. I jumped back and forth with a couple of them, mm-hmm. and I bumped a couple of my picks down to the second string. But that's that's who I wanted to start my list with. I, I debated my next pick. I, I should have. I, I probably should have flipped them, but I don't know why I put them in this particular order. But there, there we are. Well, you know, when you said Sean Connery, the first movie that I thought of with him being a secondary character was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, because you know, so often he is the lead. So it, it was interesting to hear. Um, this is yet another gap movie for me. I've not seen Untouchables. I am Brian De Palma's films are among my least viewed, uh, not by design. It just seems to be a, a trend. Um, I've now seen Scarface and and Carrie, but I saw Carrie so long ago I don't even count that. Um, I need to. Uh, I, he, this is a movie I need to get off my list. What you haven't watched this? No, that's right. I I yeah, De Palma's movies, man. I just seem to have skipped like all of his films. I don't, except for Mission Impossible. I saw that, um, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, I own Untouchables. I'm pretty sure. I think I even have like the special edition on DVD, but I just haven't got to it and. Um, yeah, it's on my list. Uh, okay, let's make it so it doesn't take how many? How long did it take for us to get the Scarface? Because uh, I two love. Years. <laughs> okay, let's not make it two years because I love the Untouchables. I know there are parts because, well, and part of this is my stepdad because uh, I really didn't know a whole lot. I, I really actively avoided the Untouchables TV series. I really didn't. You know, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. 
my sort that's not my sort of bag baby and I just stayed away from it so I kind of went in not knowing a whole lot and I don't think I saw it in the big screen I know it was a rental and my stepdad filled me in there there's some parts that are totally not what happened but there are some scenes that are just whoa you know and like just like when we watched Scarface I, I how I don't know how many times I've seen it but I forgot about the montage and that's like a classic 80s montage oh, so classic yeah i mean that's like <laughs> just fitting for what it you know it, it's like kind of out of place for what it was and uh, i don't know well watching it again and seeing it and being devoted and i that's one even save for some of the violence because it is pretty gr- uh, but any more not any more than what we might see on network tv at this point true so um, yeah, I, I would watch that again, but I, I don't well, know that it should take two years for that. I'll, I'll try to push it on you instead. Um, all right, uh, let's move into my number five, which I know I think both of you have seen, and it's a fairly, fairly new film. It's from 2017. Um, I went with uh, Julie, that's the character name from Lady Bird, uh, played by Beanie yes. Feldstein, or Feldstein, I'm not sure, but um, I love Lady Bird. I think that's been made very, very clear. I saw it three times in the theater. And um, Greta Gerwig, great job. Saoirse Ronan, amazing job. And that's what makes Beanie all the more impressive because she's in this movie with these, uh, you know, super well-known actors and actresses. Uh, and they all are excellent. But, man, Julie stood out to me throughout the film every single time I saw it. You know, the little things like her little crush on her math teacher and how the little, like, the way she would start to say something and realize that that's not what that wasn't the response that should have been said and she would shyly and bashfully play it off and if you saw neighbors too which not many people seem to have but if you did <laughs> nope you saw nope. a very different character from her so i know this isn't just her being who she is she's a really talented actress and i've not forgotten julie so much so that when making this list, this was an easy like, oh man, I want to put her on my list because I loved her as a sidekick because she she fits that role both as a supporting character but also as a uh, you know Lady Bird sidekick. She she supports her, she's her friend, and when she starts to feel that Lady Bird is changing and not being the person that she's supported all this time, she does bail. She's willing to step out away from Lady Bird because she doesn't agree with what she's doing, and then. Ladybird realizes the need she has for Julie and goes back to her, and I love that sequence um, when they when she goes to get her to go to prom and Julie wasn't going to go and she's you know looks very sad and then they end up going anyways and I just I loved the character so much and I think she's a great example of a, a best friend and what a best friend can be you know there for you when you need it but also there to tell you you're being a moron when you're being a yeah. moron yeah yeah <laughs> so like I I loved I loved the character so made it on my top five. That, I love her and I love that movie. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it lately. I'm surprised I haven't because usually when I do, I can watch it like daily and I haven't done that because I have access to it multiple ways. So Yeah. Yeah, it's one that, I mean, most people at this point have seen it. They got the Oscar nominations and stuff, but um, Julie definitely wasn't in the, the talk for supporting actress. Obviously, if that was going to go to someone, it, it went to the proper place. Um, but for me, she was a highlight of the film. I mean, there's a lot of highlights from that movie, but she stood out um, as something, a character or an actress who I was not really that familiar with. Like she was recognizable because I had seen Neighbors Two already, but um, and she doesn't have anything listed for this year. She has nothing coming out till next year on IMDb, and that's a bummer because I thought she was so great. But uh, I look forward to seeing what what other work she does. Um, all right, that's my number five. 
Uh, let's go into Corey's number four. Okay. Oh, excuse me. My number four is John Fitzgerald from The Revenant. And not a sidekick, but a supporting character. But he's a bad guy. <laughs> ah. Um, I have really grown to like Tom Hardy a lot. I can't even remember what film. Um, I mean, I liked him in Batman, but I have just become so impressed with him over... You know, I don't even know when it started, but <laughs> I liked him a lot in this. I mean, of course, I'm not rooting for him, but I just think he was so interesting, and I don't know. He was, like, ruthless, and I don't... I don't know. What movie is this again? I'm sorry, I, I missed... The Revenant. Sorry. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. Um, he's... Oh, jeez. The, the character. He's bad. Well, he's selfish, right? Like, ultimately, yes. it boils down to him above all else. He's, he's, like, going to kill people to get what, you know? I mean. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's got moxie. He's got drive. He wa- he knows what he wants. Yeah, he's survival. I wouldn't want to be in that party, but I liked him a lot in the movie. For sure. Um, yeah, that's a great performance. And. I mean that another movie with a, a crazy strong cast. I mean, uh, Dom Gleeson is in it, and then obviously Leonardo DiCaprio finally wins his Oscar. Um, I have not rewatched that film, but I still like vividly remember details of it. And Hardy's character, even his mannerisms, are, were very specific in that film, and um, definitely a great performance. And I mean, considering all around, yeah. But I mean, that's exactly considering Leo gets his Oscar from that. Um, Hardy's performance may have been more memorable to me. Um, like, I mean, it's hard to forget Leo being like mauled by a bear, but aside from that, you know, and living inside of a, what was he just mauled though? I'm I'm just gonna use the word mauled because this is a. Yeah. I felt like I was gonna throw up while I was watching the movie. I mean, yeah. Maybe. If you're listening and you haven't watched it, prepare yourself. Take a baggie. <laughs> it's just like those '70s exploitation movies. Oh no! No one will be admitted when the bear mauling scene has Ugh. begun. And the horse. Uh, yeah, living, scene. living in the carcass. Living in I the mean... carcass. It sounds like a weird song. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually imagined maybe Weird Al doing a parody for Aerosmith's Living on the Edge. Living in the I don't know. Yes. Oh, man. Let's make little, it happen, little. Weird Al. Our regular listener, Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. tag him in everything. I could dream. Um, okay, uh, that's that's a cool number four. And interesting that you went to a like kind of a villainous character for supporting. But definitely... Um, you know, the I mean, he's got other bad guys against him too, right? Like Leo's not solely fighting Tom Hardy's no. character, but definitely, you know, prominent villain. But um, all right, Mike, what do you got for number four? Okay, let me preface this because I I'm pretty sure I made this pick before everything that blew up within this last few days, mm. and uh, you'll see why I'm saying that. Uh, I and again, this goes back to the discussion. Uh, do we forgive the art despite what the artist has done we've had that talk uh, uh, uh-huh. before uh-huh. I know it came up, came up with um, Roman Polanski anyway so 
This was actually, I think, one of my first picks, and I wasn't ever going to put it as my number one, but Ellen Page in 2010 ah, Super as Libby and Bolte. Now, uh, she definitely falls under the sidekick role, but there is some stu- stuff that she does that take her way over the top. But I just really, I mean, considering how, what I Super hit all the right notes with me, I think... That's one of those no gray area like we find a lot where you either love or hate it. And I definitely was leaned more on the love side of it and just really got into it. It was just the quirky, dark humor. There was not quirky is not sufficiently uh, just and and especially considering the final fate of Bolte slash Libby, um, because that I did not expect. It's not something I ever see in a major production and if you haven't put it together you guys have because that's a james gunn production and you know with everything that's happened it's it was i I went ahead and just kept it on my list because i had already picked it well she is a um i've only seen this once but that movie like burned into my brain because there were so many things that i didn't you know i i like comic book movies and this was 2010 um so i i rented this on a whim i like i don't even think i was a office fan yet so i don't think i knew rain wilson as an actor um but i i like ellen page from juno and so i'm like oh uh, you know superhero movie it's got her in it why not um and i was hooked pretty much instantly i thought you know oh this is so cool because it's grounded realism um superhero you know kind of thing and then that that sequence her fate as you said and i'll leave it at that um shocked me Mm -hmm. that i've never been able to get that that image out of my head like much less what happens but just the way he shows us i was just like what and Mm -hmm. um, i mean it's very realistic that's technically what would happen if people were in that situation that is very that's what happened and um yeah it it's definitely got the shock factor um yeah and i i kind of want to rewatch this but i i think i know because i know that it's been hard to go back to um but uh cory have you seen super Mm mm-mm See, that's one I thought you would have seen just because of Rain Wilson. Um, but it's it's a pretty interesting movie. And uh, it does have oh. uh, Kevin Bacon is in it um, and Liv Tyler. Uh, it's, man, I don't know. I think it came out around the same time as Kick-Ass. And that was the other thing that pulled me in. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I was I really enjoyed Kick-Ass. And uh, this was like, I'm like, I need something else like this. And I heard about Super... Um, and I never saw there was a Woody Harrelson one called Defender or Defendor. Yeah, yep. and I never uh, saw. I that haven't one. watched that one either. Uh, um, that's I don't know if it's high on my viewing list, but I remember that it was for me when it first came out because I was like, oh, I like Woody Harrelson, and it was in that. It looked like it was in the same vein of this kind of realistic superhero, but I didn't hear much about it, so I just I think it finally just faded away from me. But um, that's a cool pick, Mike. I like that. Um, and again, it is it is up for uh, the questionable, is it okay to still like that movie? Um, although, it, from what I've been reading, well, a lot more people are siding with Gunn than against him. Well, I mean, and the, I mean, let's bring it up, and I even sent it, I think, to the other group chat. We have all this going, but let's... I mean, Robert Downey was no angel. No, and he... I mean, the things, I guess, that he did as an alcoholic... Don't necessarily I mean, affect anybody, or as a drug addict, whatever. It it doesn't affect. I mean, it could affect others, but I guess the things that happened to him did not directly. Af- yeah, I mean, I guess others. it's not a fair comparison. 
but ultimately we all have, I, I don't know. It, it, I read some of the stuff because they, when I, we originally were talking, mm-hmm. I didn't see some of, you know, the, yeah. the blog posts and some of I've they heard were some stuff that I didn't know about too. Um, that like, I heard that he, and I have not substantiated this, but I feel like the source that told me is generally pretty good at, at vetting things that, um, he had posted like a link to like, prepubescent porn or something at at some point not that he like put it out there but just tweeted the link Uh, yeah and that's the things like that where it's just it's hard to look past and this is no excuse this is a guy that's coming from trauma films and trauma lloyd kaufman just lets you know everything go but this is a guy that did pg porn as well and you know i don't know are you guys I guess not familiar. That's no. okay. It's I mean this he drew like I think Nathan Fillion was in one pretty much I, I won't say just kind of that circle of friends that they have mm-hmm. and they they do a PG version of what you might see and I forget I think because I I kind of look and see what James Gunn was doing is it's like what oh I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. But there we are. Well yeah, and we won't get into that debate, but um, it is something that's out there, and uh, it, it's you know it's something that when you're a movie fan, you're going to get into that conversation in some capacity. But let's move on to my number four. Um, I went with uh, 2015's Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and going with Earl. Um, <sighs> Earl is my supporting character, played by R.J. Seiler. Um, I love the role of Earl. Um, as a teacher, I've shown this film several times. My students always latch onto it. It's um, I've heard some criticisms about it in the past from like, some critics that I usually agree with, but don't when it comes to this movie. I find a lot of the innovative stuff, and it's like a really good first art house style film, I think, for teenagers to watch. Because there's a lot of you know innovative film techniques that are used that maybe are taken or borrowed from somewhere else, but it's done in a way that the kids connect to it. And Earl has always been like a linchpin for that. Um, he brings a lot of humor. Um, he but. My favorite scene in the movie, and what made him uh, earn his the number four spot, is when um, he meets uh, Rachel for the first time with Greg, and well, not necessarily meets her, but they interact as a group for the first time, and um, they're high uh, on accident. They they think they've gotten drugged by their teacher on accident, and um, Greg is being stupid and, and he's not following like the the lie that they establish and just. The way Earl reacts, it's so natural, and yet he's a really, really loyal, good friend, despite the fact that Greg refuses to call him a friend, that he's a co-worker. Um, he's a business associate, but not a friend because Greg is, you know, weird. But Earl's always there for Greg, even after they have their huge fallout, um, and Greg gets in the fight with the drug dealer towards the end of the movie, Earl runs up and saves him. Um, true 100% sidekick to, to uh, Greg. Uh, and Greg doesn't deserve it most of the movie. I mean, by the end of the movie, I could argue that maybe he deserves Earl, but at the beginning of the movie and through 90% of it, Greg does not deserve to have a friend as loyal as Earl. And so Earl earns a spot on my list as a result. Yeah, I, I loved, I did. This is one of those that I did not want to get into because having, you know, and it's, I'll, I still haven't watched fault in our stars and there's a couple others that, I'm like, ooh, I don't know. And my daughter said, no, watch this. And I'm glad I did. Just going through the whole... Uh, I don't know that I have a copy of the novel. Oh. I'm positive I will love the novel. 
Uh, I, for all of all of all novels, I think I, I bought the Perks of Being a Wallflower before this, and I haven't even seen the film for that one. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I really got into this. I need to watch it again. Yeah, I I love this. I've seen this movie a lot because I've taught it um, pretty much every year since it came out, and. Um, I have a graduate who this is his favorite film. It's been his big inspiration. He wrote a screenplay heavily inspired by the style, not necessarily um, the subject matter, but definitely uh, the teenage perspective and whatnot. And so I'm very, very familiar with this. And I know, Corey, uh, you were one of the first people I heard talk about this movie. So I know you're a fan. I love this movie a lot. Um, I've been thinking about this movie recently because I haven't read it yet, but they're about like pediatric patients and their rights as patients and their medical care mm. um, was kind of brought to my attention and automatically I started thinking about this movie because she decides not to go through with chemo. Um, so I've, I don't, I've just been thinking about this movie a lot for like the past week or so, but I love this movie. It introduced me to a musician that I now love that I was aware of before, but like his first four or so solo albums are some of my favorites. Brian Eno. Um, I love, I love Nick Offerman in this movie as his dad. (laughs) Um, and I'm forgetting who plays his mom, but his mom is pretty funny too. Yeah, uh, Connie Britton, who is also uh, Thank her you. big thing is on Nashville, and I think she was on American Horror Story like early, yes. like season one or two. Mm-hmm. That's where I first knew her from. Um, and I love how much they love film. Yeah, and that's they go a to that thing for like, attic-looking store, and they're mm-hmm. like rifling through the, you know. Yeah. Well, I don't. Uh, know. All right. Good That's thing. my number four, Earl, for me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Let's go to Corey for her number three. Dun, dun, dun. Um, my number three is from a movie this year. Oh. Um, yeah, a movie that we just talked about and that I just saw, and I'm so glad it was screening in my area. I chose Ted Danson as Dave, the bartender, oh. the slash marijuana enthusiast, <laughs> and Hearts Beat Loud. Um, hmm. I think that... Uh, and I you know said that i hadn't felt like i'd seen him in anything recently but i loved him so much in this and i liked this character for him a lot um i like that his place was kind of where uh nick offerman's character gravitates when he i guess needs a few moments or he needs you know comfort or he just needs Yeah. yeah to talk to someone that obviously has known him for a long time um and it's a dive bar guys Let's be real. But it's um, a hipster trendy bar, according to yeah. the article. So, Yeah. So, when you want to get the authentic city experience. You um, go to a hipster trendy bar? Well, um, that, that it was for hipsters to go there. Like, it's not, it, it's a dive bar, like Corey said. But because it's a dive bar, the hipsters are flocking there because it's the authentic and it was city in, experience. Yeah, it was included in some article or something, I think, right? Yeah, I don't remember movie. what paper he says, but it's there. He's, Yeah. But um, it's from Hearts Beat Loud, which is in my top 10 right now for the year. I don't want to say specifically where, because in January we'll do our top five movies of 2018. Um, and this is this is a contender, and Ted Danson's character fits this uh, criteria. Not only is he barely in the movie, but... Um, He's hilarious. Brett Haley does such a good job. That's the director-writer um, of establishing that friendship without you know 
beating us over the head with like exposition. We just we can tell there's a there's a history between the two guys. And Mike, you saw the hero, if I remember correctly, right? With Sam Elliott. Yes, I really uh, yes. Same director, same writer. Um, and- okay, well. Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm looking at it, I was digging it up in IMDb and I'm thinking just the premise, right? Just that, that little blurb. And it's funny because it's when they have the right hook, I'm thinking, uh, was it rudderless? Oh, yes. Oh. I love rudderless. Okay, so I mean, because I, I saw that when I just, and I think it was because of you all. And I'm like, okay, I will, I will just by who is in this, I am mm-hmm. positive that I'm going to like this. Mike. Um, unfortunately, it was just at uh, at the Polk Theater, and that's what Oof. I took my daughter to see it. But I saw it uh, the first time at the Florida Film Festival, and Corey saw it the same night that I saw it, if I remember correctly, um, like when I took my daughter to it. But it it's I so did. good. Um, it should be out in the next month or two, I would think, on VOD, and I will most likely be buying it because I, I just was so taken by it both times. Um, and... It, uh, Ted Danson is great in this. Tony Collette would you could argue would fit this uh, criteria as well, and Sasha Lane for sure could have been uh, picked from this movie to be on the, these lists. And right. not to dispute, Ted Danson works. I think um, for if you look at Nick Offerman as the main character, Ted Danson is his sidekick for sure. So I totally agree with the pick, and I think it's a good one. Thanks, um, Mikey. What is your number three? I'm going with an old standby. I wanted to push this up higher, but three was as high as I could go with it because of my last two picks. I feel pretty good about my number two and one. I went with uh, Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Sidney Swibel or New Jersey in the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. (laughs) Aha, you guys thought I was going another. Yeah, I know I wasn't going Dr. Mal, who's really good. He's very, uh, you know, dynamic and not that he isn't in this he it's uh, i don't know he's green he is a neurosurgeon he's kind of assisting bukuru banzai in surgery and that's how he just kind of stumbles upon you know hey do you want to work with me sure can you and he's like he's like i can dance and that's you know then he's uh, part of the hong kong cavaliers i guess it's really easy to be in my uh, all right let's be honest and jerry seinfeld has this whole bit that guys and Corey, you can attest this because you are married to a dude um uh, we just saw this we have this lower level superhero complex uh, just the other day, and my daughter laughs. We all laugh at this when we see people driving down the street with a mattress on top of their car, and they're holding it with their arm. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. that lower level, you know, a big breeze going under that mattress, and you know how stormy. I, I, I don't know if you heard the thunder a few moments ago, but that's gonna lift no arm, you know, unless you are some sort of low. Okay, that's what it seems like, and this is what in my mind. I associated with the Hong Kong Cavaliers because these aren't guys with superpowers. They're intelligent guys. Um, perfect Tommy. I guess his job was to be perfect. but So it was relatable to me. I mean, I'm not a neurosurgeon. I never had any aspirations to be one. But I'm like, ooh. And, 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 even, and here's where I really, really debated because there was a child. And you can never do this in, in, in film now. One of the irregulars, which is like the third string you know of his cadre of people that he works with was a kid 
And he almost he didn't have a scouting uniform, but you know he's carrying around a semi or fully automatic rifle. Yeah, and uh, it's like whoa. And so I just you know I went with it. I'm like, if he can do that, maybe I can as well. So I don't know. Yeah, I have seen this movie, so that's I think the first one on your list that I've seen. Am I right? Uh, It was Untouchables, and what was the other one that I I hadn't seen? Oh well. I think this is the first I've seen on the list, but, um, yeah, Goldblum's character did, uh, he kind of surprised me, because when he showed up, I thought he was just going to be, like, a real, like, background character, because he sh- he's the new guy, you know, I thought maybe he wouldn't have a whole bunch to do, but he he has quite a bit to do in this movie, so yeah, good, uh, fun pick, and not surprising for you to have this movie on your list, of course. No, I, I had to, this was another one, almost a, a gimme. Well, it makes sense, it makes sense. Um, I don't know if I tagged you, and now I'm forgetting... It's Shout Factory, I think, is doing a reissue of this. I, I can't remember if some this one and there's another one that's being reissued that I was like flipping out about. But yeah, I think I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, those Shout Factory releases are always really cool, and they're sometimes a little pricey. But if it's something like this, Mike, this I is a know. movie that you love. It's like one of your favorites, so I could see mm-hmm, it is. shelling out the extra cash for like the cool because I think it's a steel book too, um, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I think that you're right. Book, but I can't remember anyway. But guys, come on, a reissue of Creep Show is forty dollars. Yeah, but it's a once in a kind of blue moon type of thing. Um, and they do expensive. it. It is limited print too with with Shout Factory. I think they only do so many copies, so it's mm-hmm. it, it has a resale potential value at some point. So, um, all right, let's go to my number three. Um, I went with another twenty seventeen film. I couldn't help it because. When I was thinking of uh, amazing sidekick or supporting characters, how could I not include Daphne Keene playing uh, X23 or Laura in Logan? Okay, let's jump in. Let's Yay. jump in on this. Let's jump in on this. Uh-oh. That's my number two pick. There you go. <laughs> well, hold on. Let me say my piece, and then you can say yours. But um, I I was so impressed with her as both an actress because mm-hmm. she is a kid, and she's able to stand there with Hugh Jackman and – you know, a good chunk of the movie say nothing and yet convey so much to us about her state, her emotions. Um, and she's, she's awesome. She's right there with Wolverine, like as awesome as Logan can be slicing and dicing. Laura is just as awesome. And she's a great like sidekick counterpart to Logan and, um, the way she takes to professor X. I, I just, she was one of the breakout performances from 2017 and I had to have her on my list. Um, and apparently so did Mike. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this, first of all, I had no idea she was Hispanic until she busts out with that whole burst, uh, yeah. outburst uh, way into the movie. But the fact is, without any dialogue, just being able to do all that and hold her own with Patrick Stewart, with Hugh Jackman, um, just this kid... Yeah, I, I don't know where they create these younger kids. We, I, I feel like I've talked about this before. The pretty much the entirety of Stranger Things kids. Yeah, this young lady. I mean, it's just like so. I, I can't follow up enough. You know, it's just yeah. She, I put her, I put her at number two for a reason. Yeah, and she doesn't have a whole lot of acting credits either. She was on a TV no, show called The no. Refugees, and it looks which like I've been wanting to watch. And she's in a movie called Anna with Andy Garcia this year. Um, I think it's a movie. I can't actually confirm. There's, like, no information on it. 
because I don't know if it's even out yet or it, it appears to be a film, not a show. And I am a, I generally like Andy Garcia, so I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, but uh, yeah, she her performance in Logan. I mean, everyone who saw Logan and liked Logan seemed to bring her up. And how can you not? Because she does some outstanding stuff. And Corey, it doesn't sound like she's on your list, but um, I do want to point out. I can't believe I overlooked it. I can't believe that there's overlap on this list. As big of a pool of possibility for Mike and I both to pull um, this young actress in as a in, in our top like she's my three and his two that says a lot um at least about how she affected us when we saw that movie so um do you have anything you want to add Corey? i am just really sad i didn't even think about it <laughs> i love that movie and as tired as i am of comic book movies i love that one and it was refreshing sorry not sorry no yeah i think that's a valid statement um all right, that's my number three and Mike's number two. So that means we're going to go to Corey's two and then my two. So, uh, Corey, what's your number two? Okay. Um, I love this actor and pretty much um, everything that I've seen him in. Uh, he brings so much to every character. But I chose Richard Jenkins as Giles in The Shape of Water from I, 2017. That's an honorable mention for me. But, yeah, totally. Um, I... I feel like it was a really complex character to play and to I like the dynamics in their relationship a lot and how we see him like try to go after the things that he wants even though it's not necessarily I don't want to say appropriate but it's even harder given the time period because he is closeted gay mm-hmm. yeah um yeah I love the scenes with them sitting and watching musicals and you know like their little tap dance routine. I, even though we've shared articles about that being stolen, apparently, but um, I like Richard Jenkins a lot. I like that he ends up coming to her aid to help save the amphibian man, and he goes out of a lot of his comfort zones mm-hmm. to try to be who he wants to be. Yeah, because everyone's stopping him from doing that. Like he wants, you know, he's right. a talented artist, but he's being denied the job that he deserves simply because of his. I'm. It's never outright stated, but clearly he's being discriminated about something that he's happened. He's being blacklisted. He's yeah. being blacklisted. And um, uh-huh. and then he's you know told to leave the restaurant where he's very gently trying to flirt with the the owner, um, who's an awful person. We get that clearly stated. And um, yeah, he he was. I, I mean, Richard Jenkins. You could probably pull any movie that he's in and say he's the best supporting character. I mean, uh, Bone Tomahawk, one of my favorite characters in that movie for sure. Oh, my God. He's in that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that myself. Oh, guys. Yeah, he's fantastic in that. I haven't watched it. I'm sorry. I tried to. And and then uh, in Step Brothers, um, honestly, that was the movie (laughs) that made me aware of him. Like, I'd seen him before, obviously, but that was the film where, like, he's he's the... stepdad to will ferrell the dad of john c Riley, um and he's so great in that movie there's so many little scenes like when he meets adam scott's character for the first time he's like kind of fawning over him and he's like giggling and he's just he's so great in that movie um and that's richard jenkins is consistently great he might just deserve to be the best supporting actor period like any movie you need a supporting role if richard jenkins fits that character bring him in because he's going to do a tremendous job and be super memorable um, or if he needs to blend in, he'll blend in. Like the guy is just brilliant and probably severely underrated for non 
film enthusiasts and film fanatics, um, just your casual movie watcher, because he isn't usually the leading guy. He's just the side guy. But, uh, but definitely, he's very, he's very good at it. And oh, he's there, terrific. Uh, there's a slew of people uh, that are, you know, that oh, uh, Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman, Garman has a, that are the the glue. Yeah, the glue works. Uh, 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 for these roles that you know they're not the main, they're but they're they're an essential part of it. That they, you know, the the film would be very hollow without these people to fill that in. They have a very important job. <laughs> True. Well, um, let's move uh, over. Mike's number two was, again, uh, Laura from Logan. And then we moved to mine. Um, I went, if you noticed, uh, my first movie was Lady Bird 2017. Then Me and Earl and the Dying Girl 2015. Then Logan 2017. It's all real recent. And that's when you're doing a list that has this many options. I think a lot of times it's what's most fresh in your viewing history mm-hmm. and while this movie that is on my number two is from 1954 um it is recent in my viewing history because i teach this film usually every year and it is alfred hitchcock's rear window and i'm talking about um hump or jeffrey's nurse stella now jeffrey's is played by james stewart but he has a nurse because uh he got hurt on the line of duty and so he has a, a nurse that comes to his house to you know, check on him, make sure he's doing everything right, and, like, she massages him and stuff, and it's played by Thelma Ritter, and, um, she is just such an amazing character in the film, because she is the sidekick, uh, and she shouldn't be, you know, she's an older lady, she only, the only attachment she has to Jeffries is that she's a paid nurse, but she gets wrapped up into the mystery of the film, and he suspects, if you've never seen Rear Window, that a, a neighbor across the, the courtyard has murdered his wife and Stella goes above and beyond her responsibilities as his nurse to help him solve the mystery. And, uh, she takes so much stock and she puts so much in to the character. Um, I just, when I'm thinking about sidekicks, I'm like, man, Stella rules in this movie. Now I could have made an argument for, um, for, uh, Lisa, Grace Kelly. And I feel like that would be just as acceptable of a, an answer, but she's Jeffrey's girlfriend. There's more of a, a personal connection there, obviously, than the hired nurse. So Stella goes, I think, above her expected responsibilities, and that's why she's my number two pick. It has been a long time since I've seen this, so it's there's yeah. a lot of stuff I need to see again. I, I like I said, I, I watch this probably at least that twice a year um, because I show it to usually two classes and so I will watch it with them and um, I, I'm a huge James Stewart fan anyway so anytime I get to watch a James Stewart movie I'm usually excited to, to revisit so and Corey you've okay. seen Rear Window right? No. Really? I oh. don't think so. Well then this one needs to be added to your must see list immediately because it is uh, one of my favorites. I think it's one of the most accessible um Hitchcock films too because it is it's yeah. streaming somewhere oh I yeah just saw it. um and it's a story that's been redone several times uh an actual remake rear window with Christopher Reeves after he was in the wheelchair so he's legitimately in the wheelchair um I've not seen I don't know how good it is I've heard not I not no, don't. um no, don't. and then Shia LaBeouf has a version of this uh called Disturbia which um, worked really well I've not seen that either <gasps> and, and then oh, I've um, only seen it once oh and then uh, The Simpsons did it 
um, on an episode where Bart was injured and, and like they recreated uh, the rear window element. So yeah, it's a <laughs> classic story and one that um, I think the Hitchcock version is definitely uh, everyone should check it out. So that's my number two. And that leads us to the f- final three entries, our number ones. Corey, what's your number one? Okay. I don't even know what to say about this guy. Oh, he's man. not a good guy, but he's not the worst in the group of friends. And this one isn't a surprise either. Spud from Train Spotting. Ah, okay. Which I kind of died when I think it was you, Mike, said something about Train Spotting earlier. Yeah, he did. I, I did. He has always, not so secretly, been my favorite. I mean, obviously, I do love you and McGregor in this movie, but Spud just steals the spotlight for me and there's just something so goofy and ridiculous about him but it's never i don't know like i always think of the bed scene when he stays over uh, with his girlfriend with the uh, sheets oh my yeah, god yeah. i don't know but like i said he isn't a good guy but but of the group i feel like he's pretty loyal he doesn't try to um you know do them you know like i mean he doesn't try to go out of his way to do awful things to get ahead. Yeah. Um, he, go ahead, Mike. Well, he's... You and, you and Brenner is always... I like to see him in all the different things because he pops up in a bunch of different ones. that. But of all of them, um, you know, Renton is the one we associate with, but he's like the every dude and the one that you just feel badly for because, you know, he uh-huh. got the prison time. He doesn't, you know... It's hard not to like him. Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree. And we get to see more of this character in Train Spotting too. Um, but yes. yeah, it's he's definitely a sympathetic character amongst a crew of kind of you know not sympathetic characters. Not that he's innocent, but there is something about him. Like maybe it's the uh, childlike wonder he seems to always be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. a little more oblivious to the 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 wrong of his life. Um, that you feel a little more sympathy, I think, towards Spud. So that yeah, makes makes a lot of sense to me to have him as a favorite. And I know you love this movie um, a lot, so it makes sense that he ends up as your number one. Thanks, um, Mikey. What is your number one? All right, I'm gonna. This will be bad because I have my repertoire of no voices that I can do. But I'm thinking about <laughs> the, the the bit that they do on the Mike Kelta show, where he, and I'm pretty sure it's Mike Kelta. He he's always does. Andy, Andy, Andy. Oh, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> and it's basically him trying to do Morgan Freeman as yep. Ellis Boyd Red Redding in the Shawshank Redemption from yeah. 1994. Now, I mean, he is definitely more than a sidekick. He is the narrator. Uh, he, I mean. uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dufresne is the main impetus, the whole character, you know. And having here's the thing, I read. Stephen King's Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption many years ago kind of filed it away, reread it. You know, I'll revisit my, my, my books when I get a chance. It doesn't happen a whole lot, but the last person I ever would have expected to be cast as red was Morgan Freeman, because I felt that in the novel, it was implied he was Irish, you know, red, like red hair. And you know what? It worked. He was red. 
you know, I don't know. Uh, and I think they even address it. I don't know why they call me Red. or I guess it makes sense with Redding being the name, but still. And I guess, I don't know. He, you're right. He does narrate. He's, I mean, I don't know. It's... No, no. I still think he's a supporting character. I think a- Andy is the lead. Um, he's just our entry point into the story. But I, if anything, I mean, um, the role he plays in the actual story of the film is the supporting and side character um to andy and so yeah no i totally uh i totally agree with him being on this list and i kind of i didn't even think about him um but the second you said andy in that attempted <laughs> accent uh, or style andy. Andy. i totally knew exactly what movie you picked and I, <laughs> yeah i mean the guy you know he's the he's not just Andy sidekick he's like the sidekick because he can get everybody anything right like that's his mm-hmm. mo so that's like, his job that's yeah. his job he's the man who can get things yeah exactly so i mean what better sidekick than the guy who can get you things you know i mean if you look at uh jumanji welcome to the jungle from this past year um kevin hart's character would definitely be arguably the sidekick character and his role is he has a backpack that has all the weapons for the rocks character, you know? So like, <laughs> that's kind of like, it fits, right? It's that idea of the valet almost like, ah, yeah, you need that. I'll get that for you. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a perfect example of a, a sidekick character. Um, and, and to a degree, I feel like my number one kind of fits that, but we'll, we'll wait. Cause I don't know if Corey wants to add uh, Shawshank redemption commentary. I haven't seen this in a really long time. I need to revisit it. But... I, I just watched it for the first time like two years ago. So um, it's Corey, kind of fresh in my brain. Corey. Uh, Corey. <laughs> but um, I know this, Shawshank is a very common favorite movie. If you ask like random people oh. what their favorite movie is, it is. Nope. It's nope. in my experience, it's usually Forrest Gump or Shawshank Redemption for like nope. casual movie watchers. Um, that's the go-to uh, um, you know what you call me a filthy casual if you want however I love it's Forrest. not just it's not just a it's not just a favorite it is a literal oh it's on day is planned nothing <laughs> else to be done until we're watched this or at the very least you know i don't know what those women were saying i think i even did this on a, as an instagram because sometimes i pop little quotes on there and you know sometimes it's better not knowing just he gets all the oh I, I don't even own this. I need to own this. Yeah, how do you not own this? Um, yeah, because uh, it's always on a different channel. That's true. That is true. Word. All right. Well, guys, I didn't shy away from my favorite movie for my number one entry. I did go with Scott Pilgrim versus the World, <laughs> um, and I, I can't get past how amazing Kieran Culkin is as Wallace Wells. Um, he is probably my favorite element of Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and I love pretty much everything about that movie but when we look at a sidekick or best friend type character think wallace literally supports scott if wallace isn't there scott has nothing scott lives in the apartment with wallace scott's most of the belongings belong to wallace and it is made very clear in the film (laughs) and while wallace is cynical and oftentimes is not really trying to help scott ultimately he always does have scott's best interests at heart um even if it doesn't always come across that way. Uh, so many examples, like um, when uh, Envy calls Scott, he, you know, Wallace was giving him crap, but when he realizes it's Envy, he immediately becomes the friend, and he's concerned, and he's worried. Um, you know, constantly, over and over again. Even when he gives his kind of, you know, indifferent advice to fight, uh, you know, the first guy. I mean, 
I love Wallace Wells so much. Every little joke, every little nuance of uh, Kieran Culkin's performance in this movie is amazing. And I think the best sidekick in movie history. Um, hence why he's my number one. Uh, you know what? I, uh, I, I'm su- not surprised that you picked this film. It's, <laughs> it's You're right. Uh, uh, that whole scene where it spells out exactly what Scott owns, which is literally nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Um, <laughs> that, and without him... Who knows what Scott would have been dead. He never would have met Ramona because she wouldn't have given him a second look. He would have yeah. been destitute on the street. I mean, he even orders the Amazon package on <laughs> Wallace's computer. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wallace is the key for Scott um, in almost every way. And God, he's so funny in that movie. Like so much of his line deliveries are just amazing. Even like when he texts uh, Scott's sister while he's like passed out drunk. Like, it's so funny. Um, uh, and, and the boyfriend stealing. Yeah, the boyfriend stealing. I mean, Kieran Culkin is a, a, an actor who I've become a huge fan of because of Scott Pilgrim. Like, I obviously saw him as Fuller in Home Alone and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Um, but I've seen Igby Goes Down, and there's a TV series that he's on right now. I think it's HBO or Showtime, um, where he is one of three siblings trying to take over their father's like company. I think it's called Shattered or something like that. And it looked really good. Um, and mainly it looked really good to me because of Karen Culkin. I just think uh, the way he delivers lines. Um, Infinite Baby is a film that, uh, or Infinity Baby. I can't remember which one it is, but it's something like that. Uh, I just watched on Amazon Prime a few months ago because he was in it. Like Scott Pilgrim introduced me to this actor in a way that I never thought would, you know, I didn't know existed until I saw Scott Pilgrim. And um, I love his performances. Again, if you haven't seen Igby Goes Down, and I know, Corey, we just talked about this movie the other day cannot stress enough that you give it a uh give it a chance it's it's a tough watch at times but it's really really good uh, plus jeff goldblum's in that too yeah what mm. more do you need and claire I, danes Ooh, that's your a, favorite actually, crier. I, <laughs> yeah she's awful um <laughs> but yeah and I, I oh go ahead mike well i've watched this but it's been a long time for scott pilgrim or igby igby goes down mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched it just a couple years ago, um, and Ryan Phillippe's in it, which is you know, weird. Kind no, of, not a draw. Not no, a draw. Yeah, no, not not really from anybody. But, um, well, for that, Reese Witherspoon at one point. At one point, uh, that is our top five movies, sidekicks, and/or supporting characters. Uh, it sounds like we went more kind of in different directions, but um, it, I think both apply. Uh, I want to point out that I did see three. I saw number three two and one from mike's list in fact we shared one your number two uh on my list with my number three and Corey, i think you might have matched the two because you saw logan and i think you saw um oh wait no maybe you didn't i think i only saw one. Oh no so, oh. so i win this week uh, oh no i win again because I, do. I, I win um but let's go before we uh end the podcast we like to look at some of our honorable mentions so we'll start with Corey. did you have any other uh character actors or actors sidekicks etc you wanted to throw out there yeah okay so i love this character but it's a made for tv movie like miniseries so i wouldn't include it but james mason as richard staker in salem's lot okay. amy poehler as june george and mean girls she's not a regular mom she's a cool mom and <laughs> um sean harris as fifield in prometheus 
He's okay. the a-hole geologist. Ah, <laughs> and I just love him yes, so he much. Was, he was. He's he such a jerk. Me, uh, is that that's the the Irish one, right? With like the mohawk. Yeah. Yeah, he reminds yeah. me of a WWE wrestler Sheamus so yeah. much in that movie. <laughs> um, like the whole time I was watching Prometheus, I'm like, I just keep waiting for him to do the brogue kick on somebody. But um, <laughs> it's it's in the uh, edit. It's in the extent the extended cut. Oh god, I can't. Watch <laughs> Sorry, um, I just had a flashback to that reference. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, is that it, Corey? Yeah. All right, Mikey, what do you got for honorable mentions? All right, these were tough to put down to honorable mentions, but I feel as sidekicks they had gotten their fair share of attention already, so I dropped them down, except for one that was h- tough to put down here. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's Hit Girl. Yeah, I had her too. I really wanted her on there. Dave Foley as Mr. Boy in Sky High. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, my God, that's a really good one. Yeah, I really wanted him up there. Uh, it's very uh, literal sidekick, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, because he, te- te- he teaches sidekicking to the sidekicks. It's uh, yeah. uh, Sky High is one of those that even now, and I should bring it in like near the end of the year, because they're like, oh, show me. It's one of those that you forget, uh, you know. And young Mary wow. Elizabeth Winstead, man. Yes, as as the I'll just spoil it as the villain. Yeah, and you know Kurt Russell going back to Disney, which you know that's where he cut his teeth in early early roles. It's just very nostalgic. I'm like, uh, definitely, it, it's not high cinema, but infinitely better than Zoom. Mm-hmm. I tried Zoom. I think I tuned out twenty minutes, if that, into it. And anyway, so there we are. Um, I originally had a different Harry Potter. Uh, character as uh, in the honorable mentions, but I always felt that Ivana Lynch as Luna Lovegood never got yep. enough. No, um, I was totally when you said Harry Potter, my brain went to Luna immediately. She does yeah. so much to help Harry, um, and it's always very quietly and passively. Yet she does, you know, tons it, and tons of stuff in those movies to make uh, Harry successful. But oddly enough, does she count as the pixie kind of? You just brought up that trope. Manic and pixie like, dream girl. Um, she probably, yeah. for me, she is. She's she's like, definitely oh, fits the the naming convention because she's definitely manic and a little bit pixie ish. But she seems to have her own agenda in the in the long run. Like I think she's got her own goals in mind. She's got more going on than people realize, mm-hmm. and people just need to recognize. Just like Velma in Scooby Doo, which is not on my list. She should have been in there. Um, <laughs> Ivana Lynch, yeah, I think she's great. Uh, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca in the Star Wars franchise. Obviously, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's why I figured. You know, everybody that's that's going to be a go-to one for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another go-to one. Anthony Edwards as Goose in Top Gun. R.I.P. Yep. Goose. I had him uh, on my list. Shoot, malfunction, man. Uh, Efren uh, Ramirez as Pedro Sanchez represent Napoleon and uh, Napoleon Dynamite. And the last one, I, I this one, I for sure took off of my number five because it is not an actual person oh okay and i could not find anywhere to credit who did this because they have no voice but i felt they were a pretty solid part of the green mile and that was mr jingles oh is that the rat the mouse mouse not a rat sorry mouse. i i've not seen the green mile that's, that's all <laughs> my should I, it, was my, it was my number five i should have put it <laughs> Bumps another one off. I still wouldn't have. I still would have had the the win because I still saw three. But um, okay. So I I didn't. Uh, I could have included Nick Frost from any of the Cornetto trilogy. I did not. Yeah. Um, but definitely oh. a honorable mention. 
definitely an honorable mention. I mean, I, but it, I think it goes without saying at this point. Like, even in, I, I shouldn't have included Scott Pilgrim, but I just wanted to talk about Kieran Culkin and how great Wallace is. <laughs> uh, but uh, I had another recent film from Spider-Man Homecoming, Ned. I thought Ned was such a breakout character, and to my knowledge, an original character to that movie. I don't think he's yeah. from the comics. Nope, not at all. Um, he was on my he was on my honorable mention list for a little bit too, and I kicked him off. Him off. Um, I already mentioned Giles, uh, Hit, Hit Girl, and Goose because of you guys. Um, I have uh, Morpheus from The Matrix. Um, even though he's kind of more of a mentor character, uh, he does play like a side character in the second and third films, so arguable. Um, Owen from The Way Way Back, which is uh, played by Sam Rockwell. I everyone, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm a huge Sam Rockwell fan. Uh, this is the movie that made me aware of him um, and made me go through. I think I've seen almost every film he's done. I, there's a couple that I'm still missing, but um, uh, I love the movie Role Models. And if you argue that Paul Rudd is the main character, then pretty much any other character in that film could get this uh, role. But I went with Jane Lynch's character, Gail Sweeney, because she is so funny in that movie. Some of the stuff she says gives the best humor and it's it's either she may not say the funniest thing it might be like paul rudd or uh sean william scott's reaction to what she said that's super funny but she's just awkward and silly and oh i love jane lynch in that movie so much um i had patrick from perks of being a wallflower which is ezra miller now the flash um uh, he's a really great supporting character in that film um and then i went with Die Hard, sergeant al powell because what a great <laughs> sidekick you know he doesn't know yep. um he doesn't know bruce willis uh well um i cannot i'm drawing a total blank all of a sudden um john, john mcclain good lord i knew that and it was just like nope forget you um but he I he, hate that. he doesn't know him he has no reason to trust him but he does and like some of those conversations where he kind of keeps mcclain calm by like just talking to him I just think are some really, really powerful moments and the sad, tragic story that he has about how he shot a kid. Um, and then the last one, I have to have Garth to Wayne, right? Yes, I love Garth. I mean, I, I've talked about Wayne's Worlds too many times, so I left the list. I left him off my top five. But um, I mean, come on, it's Garth. I have a Garth air freshener in my truck. Thanks to Corey um, right now. Like, and I don't I still don't understand how you even found that. But I have. Uh, my Garth. local record store if you guys ever come visit i'll take you <laughs> I, I i love garth um i i dressed up as garth for halloween one year when i was like 11 or something like that so okay. <laughs> uh, um he's been one of my favorites and to be fair uh I, there's no good film version of my favorite sidekick but i love robin i've always been a huge fan of robin i grew up watching the adam west batman i guess i could have went with the uh the 1966 version of the film the the batman movie um, and had uh, him on my list. That probably would have been the best because, let's be real, Chris O'Donnell's Robin, not so good. Um, we didn't get a Christopher Nolan real Robin, almost, almost. Um, and then Sorry, I'm a, <laughs> having oh. a flashback, having a flashback of Alicia Silver. It's me, bro. Oh, it's God. me. So bad. And then, um, you know, uh, we I th- we all thought we were gonna get a Robin in. Um, the Batman versus Superman or something and we we've been hinted at and teased a Robin existence but we've not seen him on screen but Robin is my favorite sidekick and I just don't really I didn't have a good version to put on my list but I have to at least mention that so oh I wanted to interject um yes the Dark Knight is going to be screening so far they've only released very select 
like theaters that are going to be like Ooh. screening it for the 10th anniversary but let's all cross our fingers yeah i would love to see it on the big screen again i did see it in the big uh i actually saw that and live free or die hard i think on the same day unless i'm confusing Dang. the dates maybe it was batman begins and live free or die hard whichever one came out the same day i saw them same day um uh, close to christmas uh obviously the the christopher nolan film much better but i do like the justin long let uh co-starred live free or die hard <laughs> i can't help it but all right folks that's our episode um we'd love to hear what you think should have been on the list who are some uh top five sidekicks or slash supporting characters that we left off or that we didn't mention um i'm sure there's some obvious ones that we didn't bring up uh do note that we did mention chewbacca because we totally know that he's a kick butt sidekick but um you can reach out to us at contact at burkreviews.com that's contact at burkreviews.com or you can follow us on social media i am at burkreviews cory at cory r star two r's on the end and mike at server monkey and of course you can read reviews and other things at burkreviews.com including listening to this podcast uh please subscribe on itunes or google play and most importantly tell people about us if you listen if you like us don't keep us to yourself share it let people know about the goodness that is Burke Reviews Top 5 Movies and or Burke Reviews Movie Club. And maybe, maybe, maybe we have a new podcast idea in the works. Um, until next time, keep watching movies. Keep watching movies.